Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. If history is made at night, as they claim, then I'm certainly just a doomed bourgeois in love, and we shall all meet for cocktails at Petrosian afterwards. As we explore the last days of disco in Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on a venture to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year. And I'm one half of your hosts, Liam Delaney, and he is... Oliver Jones. And welcome to the show, everybody. How are you doing, Ollie? That was a lot of energy. I'm good. That worked, actually. You got you got the element of the film and then the essence of the podcast, and you put it together. Smashed it together. It's like, perfect. Like poetry. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, this week, I've, I've been on a bit of a Debbie Downer this week. I've had one of those... Yeah, I think we're all... Weeks. We're all feeling but, that um, constantly, aren't we? I just feel like I'm not really achieving much at the moment, but um, like I wrote a list of things I wanted to achieve for every day this week. I haven't achieved any of them. I don't, I don't approve know if I was being an, I don't know if I was being too ambitious or whatever. I don't need written evidence for what I failed. That's never a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. So I just look at this list now and it's just I've um I've been doing quite a lot of work this week actually, so I don't feel too bad. Like getting a lot of things written. So it's not been too bad. So what's your, if, if this is such a bad time at the moment, what is your bright spark at the moment? Have you got a bright spark that has, has been one thing? One thing. I'm enjoying editing my film that I'm working on, but it's just like, you know me, I have ideas <laughs> and then my ideas then take about hundreds of years to fully like <laughs> realise and it's... <laughs> yeah. I think like when I'm shooting, I'm like, this is a great idea. And then I come to edit it and then I'm like thinking, well, this one second is going to take me about three days to do. <laughs> but what? I am enjoying it. I like the minutiae of it and stuff like that. So it's all good. That's all good. What are you, what are you shooting? What do I know? What are we allowed to say? I, I haven't really publicly announced this film. I've kind of, because you know me again, I'm really bad at, I'll announce something and I won't finish it for ages. So... I'm keeping this one stum a little bit. It's based on a music video that I made last year. So if you look at my music videos I made last year, I made four. Yeah. So it's one of them. <laughs> okay, cool. But 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 our mutual friend Paul Maiden co wrote the script with me. Awesome. So hopefully he'll he'll be on next week. Yeah, he fingers should crossed. be on. Yeah, fingers crossed. He should be on next week actually, our first guest. So maybe we can talk about that script a little bit as well. Yeah. That might be fun. It's all I'll say is it's very much based on Things that I grew up as a kid, so like Masters of the Universe and oh, yeah. the TV show Nightmare. <laughs> but but through uh, have you done the uh, new Nightmare, the Nightmare Live? Yeah, me and Benson have seen it a couple of times together. It was going to be on at the Sutton Town Hall, but because of Sutton COVID, Town Hall, yeah, it got cancelled. It's really good fun, man. But every every time it's the same jokes, but you kind of yeah, well. That's a show. That's um, fine. Like, so if anybody has doesn't know what Nightmare is, if you're like American or whatever, I or think every 30. single episode is on YouTube. But essentially, it's like three kids or four kids. Three of them stay in this room and they're watching yeah. a video screen. And then one of the kids has got this big helmet on his head and he's got a satchel and he's in a green screen room. And so the kids in the, the, the other room. I thought he the, went to a magical dungeon. Oh, he does. Yeah, <laughs> and basically, he can't see where he is. So these kids, like, they can see the room around him, and then they kind of direct him around the room and tell him what items there are or puzzles to solve. And I mean, it was quite hard for a kids' show. Was it? I don't really remember. I, I remember it being terrified of it when I was young because I just thought it was kind of real. 
really <laughs> and like i thought like when they fell down holes they really fell down holes and things like that and there there is, there's a brilliant one on youtube where the kids stuff. the kids start their adventure and it's like a, a brick wall like there's all lava around them there's like a brick wall like not a maze but like a path so okay. you go take one step forward turn to your left walk forward four steps or whatever and like as soon as he turned he fell into the lava pit straight away and died <laughs> and that was the end of the game for them straight away oh that would be my group that would be exactly what would happen <laughs> you wouldn't be able to go to school you'd be bullied out of school so the stage version works essentially like that you put like a helmet on and then these they get comedian like local comedians to okay. to be your guide and they guide you through the the story okay but the one guy we did last time is he his head he was that tall and his head was that big that the mask like came just below his eyes so he could see everything anyway <laughs> but there's nothing to see is there well no but there are props on the table okay. and there's like characters like dressed up as donkeys there's a big dragon and stuff like that that pops out oh, on yeah. the stage i heard rumors that the last boss in nightmare was a dragon but I've, i never saw it i assume i can see it on youtube <laughs> um no i think you take a you take a ride on the dragon it takes you to like another land or something the the intro to nightmare was amazing like the animated intro was brilliant. i've got the music in my head i really i can't actually it's like it's like that it. synth yeah it's, it's, wicked. <laughs> it's like greetings traveler greetings travelers the the stage show is much more a comedy though as opposed to like like, yeah, Nightmare kind of took itself, itself really, took itself really seriously. Seriously, yeah. The kids are brilliant, though. Like you know, like how people are on quiz shows back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Like really, really awkward. Now you get people on TV, and it's like this is my fifteen minutes of fame I've been waiting for all yeah. my life. Well, but, uh, I always wonder because most game shows are shot in like places like LA or London, and, and a lot of people there are kind of aspiring actors or models and stuff like that. So, so they just do it as part of their kind of career, don't they? Really. You get a so, shitload but... of stand-up comedians on talk shows. You can, al- I mean, sorry, game shows. You can always find them on yeah. like, YouTube videos. It's like their That's first I mean, TV I think, appearance. I think Simon Amstel, when he was a kid, was on like uh, Games Master <laughs> with the Dominic Diamond years. Not even the good years with no, not Dominic Diamond. Dexter Fletcher years. Dexter Fletcher years. I remember that. Who is now a really good director? Who would have thought? Well, he's a good director. <laughs> well, I think he's good. I know. I know. I really like Elton John, whatever it's called, Rocket yeah. Man. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. What's um? What was I going to say? My brain's gone dead now. You talked of Dominic Diamond. That's all I can think of. Uh, I tell you what, my favourite is though. If you ever watch Old Bullseyes, and like the contestants on that was amazing. They're amazing. They're so eighties Br- and British. It's amazing. <laughs> and like, did you ever hear? There's a guy called the Bullseye Killer. No. And he was like a serial killer who like. He was on Bullseye, and it was during the time he was killing people. What? And he's like a contestant on Bullseye. What? I don't know about this. I know about the guy who was on the dating show, you know, Blind Date in America. Yeah. I know about the guy who and that who was a who was a serial killer. Really? And, and I, he I haven't a heard about contestant that. Contestant on that, and he like he won the date as well. Like so. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Look it up. Wikipedia's yeah. your friend. They need to vet these guys a bit more. Well, they, I guess they do nowadays. This they was probably the do 80s. Now. Those watching those old game shows are absolutely just. I find them. I don't understand how I ever watched a game show because they go on forever when they talk to the audience. Oh, yeah. They talk and to like, the contestants, and they're so boring. <laughs> I was flicking through the day, and Bruce's like anything with Bruce Forsyth had half-naked women just presenting like 
the prize. And I'm like, why is this on the game <laughs> show? <laughs> and like, you can understand why they probably like, like you said, they probably vet. Uh, contestants now i think you have to audition to be on a quiz show yeah, now yeah you do, so they definitely. probably like screen test you and stuff yeah, like that. yeah, like yeah. our friend keith was on tipping point tipping point is the worst you know when you put like a penny in a, a slot machine and it like you, know, you drop it down and it like hits the bottom and it like pushes more coins foot towards you and then like more oh my god yeah okay and it's Those a whole things. quiz show based on that you're you're shitting me what no, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> bottom of the barrel <laughs> But yeah, our friend Keith Ward was on it, and that was quite fun. <laughs> and Keith's known for wearing really bad shirts, and he's got like an interesting like facial hair the way he, he trims it. And Twitter blew up with how <laughs> nasty people were to his shirts and his facial hair. <laughs> oh well, I don't love shed you, a Keith. For him. Um. Uh, <laughs> can't so yeah, that's our. <laughs> Quiz quiz show talk of the week. I can't stop thinking of that quiz show. So it was just a big one of those machines. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those big things where you drop five p in, and it. God, British television at its finest. I know. So, have you watched anything this week? Have I watched anything this week? I don't know. I watched the Ewok movies. <laughs> you watch what Caravan of Courage and what's and the other one? Battle for Endor. Are they? <laughs> They weren't on the cinema, were they? No, they were. Uh, no, they were on the cinema in Europe. They were on the cinema here. Were they? Yeah, but not in America. No. Um, do they have any ties in? To do they have stormtroopers or anything like that in it? Or no, they do have uh, Wicket though. So um, it is Wicket. Like yeah. it is, it's got characters from. But they um they technically take place before Return of the Jedi, which I didn't realize as well. Um, they're like okay. prequels to. Return of the Jedi. They're they're fucking they're they're, they're awful. They're barely watchable. They really are awful and very. So, 80s. is there anything else Star Wars related in them other than the Ewoks? There's no, not really. There, there's um, no, not really. There's a lot of animals in them. Funny. There's a lot of like real animals, like a lot of ferrets and a lot of kind of um, uh, like fantasy animals, like a ferret with a horn stuck on its head. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I picture you know the scene in uh, Scrooged where they're like, yeah. like suggested <laughs> to it staple staple, <laughs> staple them on, to his yeah. head. Um, it's all about these children. Caravan of Courage, anyway, is about these two children. They get lost and they um and the Ewoks have to kind of um help them back to their parents. I think I'm okay. already forgetting it. It was um there was a I don't I don't know if you know um the show called the George Lucas Talk Show. It plays. No, it. what's this? It's a live thing at the UCB. Um, is it the UCB? Yeah, I think it is in New York. Um, Connor Ratcliffe, the comedian, he um, is also an actor. He's got a good podcast as well called Dead Eyes. He plays George Lucas. Actually, oh, so it's not the real George Lucas. No, no. It's... And he's been doing it for years. It used to be like, like filmmaker George Lucas, but now he's retired filmmaker George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Does he wear a check shirt? I hope so. Yeah. And. Um, it used to be another guy who played Jar Jar Blinks, but he quit and Griffin Newman now does it from Blank Check and he plays Watto. So they do this live show. Oh, no. Where, like, and it's really, it really cracks oh, me up. Oh, Lemony. His Watto is impressive. But they, um, to because all the UCB staff have been kind of laid off because there's no work, they, did, they decided to do an online fundraiser for the UCB and they, they did... 
a live watching of every single Star Wars film, like stream it live in order, including the Ewok films and and the holiday special oh, and no. Solo and Rogue One. They did it in what order. What about like the Clone Wasn't there a Clone Wars movie as well? Like, no, they'd only did kind of the big the kind of bigger releases, like really. Um That was a cinema release, the first one, wasn't it? They okay. put like three episodes together or something. Mr. Anyway. George Lucas did come up with a reason why they didn't do it, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. It was something to do with like real films only or something. But um, it was, I watched, I didn't, I can't say I watched all that stream because it was, I don't know, 30 hours, I think they were doing <laughs> it for. So like I was going to bed and waking up and then putting them back on, and they were still there watching like into another so film. So they did it non stop? Yeah, non stop. Like Shit. it was so like towards the end of it, George Lucas was barely living. You could see him like just so he's, like... he's so he's putting a voice on, mm-hmm. and to do that for like <laughs> the, yeah, oh Griffin knew was in costume as Watto for, like, the whole like, time. Yeah, he did the voice for the whole time. Oh man. <laughs> It was like it you was... hear you hear Griffin Newman's voice and you hear Watto. It's it's very he has to put a voice on. <laughs> yeah. That would kill your voice. Yeah, he said like I now know what opera singers feel like. Like, no, his voice is just shot. Opera singers don't sing like this. <laughs> no. really <laughs> he is but a very racist alien. He is a very racist alien. <laughs> to a be lot fair, of George Lucas they're all aliens racist aliens racist. in that film. The Nemoidians, or whatever they're called, are just astonishing that that exists in a film, frankly. I'm, I'm really surprised he went that route with Jar Jar Binks, though, because he's married to a black lady, isn't he? Um, is he still married to the? Is he the? Is he black? Is the black lady? Oh, I can't remember her name. That's really bad. She's his second wife, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So like, I'm surprised you went. <laughs> he was like, "Nah, this I, is fine." I don't think anyone realised it was racist when they were making it. No one had any questions about it. Then when you watch it, it's like not oh, even the performer. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Ahmed Best at all thought anything about it. I thought he just th- thought he was being like a clowny. I mean, fucking fun, Star Wars. Really. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think it occurred to anyone until you kind of see it. Sometimes that happens. I think. I guess so. But not to overly defend them because it's a bit like Watto is amazing. Watto is just the fact that he's a slave owner isn't brought up enough. I think as a character traits. That he, is. to be fair though, I think visually he still looks really great though. Yeah, go with that. And he has that a hat film. in the like, second film. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> and he's like a deadbeat version yeah. of Watto in the second. I lost my slaves. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Anyway, that's why I watched the Ewok films because that was the only films they were watching them. So I put them on and I watched along with them because I'd never seen them before. And that's why I, they were on How YouTube. long are they each? I can't remember. 80 minutes, probably. Oh, so they are like feature minutes. length. They are feature length, yeah. The second one's really weird, the Battle for Endor. I can't actually remember much about it now, but it's like a witch is attacking the Ewoks village. Um, oh, okay. And loads of Ewoks die at the start, I think. <laughs> Cheery. Yeah, really fun. I wonder if that, that must have... Well, I guess it came out around the same time as the cartoon because there was an Ewoks cartoon, wasn't there, as well? Yeah, Ewoks Battle of Endor came out in 85 um, and uh, the Caravan of Courage was 83, I think, the year before, I think, or two years before. Okay. I guess they... But they're both like... No, 84, so it was the year before. I think they're both George Lucas approved, though. That's why they're insisting on watching them. They are canon because they're George Lucas kind of produced films <laughs> like. And same with the holiday special, which is a canon film in Star Wars. Even though I it's... I actually watched that one year. It's so I didn't realise it was basically it? like a. It's like what do you call them? Like a a Saturday night kind of like like variety it's show. Got, yeah, like yeah. skits and stuff like yeah. that. Like it's got a cooking show in it and yeah, 
It's it's like it's astonishing that they thought that's what Star Wars needed to be. It was so popular, so we have to do and this. Like the look of Chewie's family is so it's terrifying. odd, <laughs> so bad. And then just reuses effects from the first film because it's before uh, Empire. It's before Empire, yeah. Came yeah, yeah. It was the and first it, bit of media of Star Wars that came out after Star Wars. Is it pre or post Hamill's accident? Ooh, I don't know. I reckon pre. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say pre. Because <laughs> I like the little anecdote, because it's the first time you saw Boba Fett, isn't it? It is, yeah. That's, a, that's some Star is, Wars trivia. He wasn't named possi- in that, though, I think. I think he was, yeah. He's in the whole uh, He's in the whole short. Because he he poses as being an ally to them, and then you, at the end you find out he's working for the Empire. Okay. It's all animated, that sequence. But don't you think that Boba Fett is like possibly the most overrated character in the whole of star wars like i don't yes. and, but he looks cool <laughs> i get it but you know that's that's why though because he was a toy he was the first toy that was released um from star wars that wasn't like a character from star wars and he was released oh, right. before empire came out so like like it, it he was like big news before oh, anyone ever hype. watched the film i think yeah, yeah. The, the, he was the first piece, piece of like hype material. Yeah. Like, wasn't he supposed to have like a rocket firing jetpack? And then they like, oh, we can't <laughs> do right. that now because kids will take their eyes out with this yeah. little thing. <laughs> like, you know, kids can throw stones as well at each other. Like, yeah, but yeah, but the stones don't come with a button that you press on a toy that you buy in a shop. <laughs> True. I could just throw the Boba Fett at you and do the same. Yeah. At- they would. You know more about toys than me. I don't understand any of I don't know anything about toys. You know a lot I'm about not, toys. I'm not surrounded by toys at all. <laughs> yeah. No, what are they behind you? <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, my... I, I went on an Ewok adventure. Yourself? See, I haven't watched... I No, like, again, I told you I'm in a, I was in a bit of a funk this week. So, to cheer myself up and to get ready for the third film, which I... Think he's still coming out this year? We'll find out. But I watched Bill and Ted one and two today. Uh, this week. Oh, that's cool. I don't think it's coming out this year anymore. It's well, it's scheduled for twenty first of August. Is it? And I like the trailer's meant to be out next week. Oh. And they've announced a competition where you, well, it's not a competition, but it's like basically you film yourself like doing air guitar or playing the guitar, and they'll if you're selected, they'll you'll be inserted into the film in some sort of montage. <laughs> I am very tempted to do it. I'm not gonna lie. Would it be like a god played rock and roll montage? Can Probably, we be the yeah, British like... family in the kitchen? <laughs> you know who that is in the film? It's Death. Oh, it is. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Like I still love those films. It's got a very questionable. Well, it's not questionable. They say the f word a lot, and I'm not saying fuck. And I think it's we spoke about word. this in another episode. Probably. And um, it's. It's a, it's it's a shame that they say that. It's a weird one. It is. It's a weird yeah, one. It's, but it's like I was thinking about this. Like, do you edit that? Out? Like, because you know how like Disney have gone back out in and they've they've removed a lot of the racism, racist kind of imagery from earlier films and that. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Or where do you stand um, on that? I don't think you can possibly give one answer to it. Um, I. Uh, Let's say they went into Breakfast at Tiffany's and removed Mickey Rooney from the film. It would <laughs> greatly improve that film yeah. <laughs> and actually make it watchable. Yeah. Whereas it's, how it stands it, now, it's actually really hard it, to get through. Yeah, so, but at the same time, it's almost a raising like. It, I get it's that. Almost it's almost a lesson exists. of not not stop at don't you know don't we've done that don't do that it's bad. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean, it's like 
we talked about it with the blackface with Alec Guinness as well. I can kind of, yeah. in its own way, I can watch something and understand when it was. The one thing I think with Alec Guinness is he's not making fun of black people. He's not trying to, yeah, but it's still bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, and I, I, I kind of think there is a place to kind of remove stuff to make stuff better to watch. But, but I understand the temptation just to leave it as it is because it's a relic of the past and it doesn't make too much of a difference as long as we understand that but I i'm trying to think there might be some disney film where they've they've got i think it's Whoopi goldberg or someone i may have been totally making this up but they've got her at the beginning talking about like educating the children or whoever's watching uh, it yeah. that this imagery is in the film but it's was it and i think coll- that's quite good was it a collection of their older cartoons i think yeah it may have been like one of those what are those films they're called like Merry Melodies like, was that? Yeah, it's know? like built up of shorts. They call yeah. them something. Um, no, Merry Melodies wasn't Disney, was it? That was. They did do one that's called. Ah, oh, Christ! Right. I've got them all somewhere. But yeah. um, what do they call them? They're like compilation of films or something like that. But I, there's this podcast I listen to, and it's called Disorder, and they go through all the numbered Disney films like one by one. Oh wow! It's quite. It's quite good. That's cool. All three of them have worked for Disney at some point. Oh, cool. So it's quite interesting. They've got a bit of insight knowledge into it and stuff like that. That sounds nice. I like that. But yeah. but bear in mind, each podcast is about three to four hours, so it's a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of a long one to go through. I don't mind that. I like putting a podcast on. I'm just working to it. One of my favourite podcasts to listen to is this podcast called um, Knowledge Fight, which they yeah. um, they watch Alex Jones and talk about Alex Jones. You know the the shock jock asshole yeah, yeah. person, and. Uh, their episodes can be they do three a week and they can be four hours long they and i find i just put them on and i work to them because i just feel yeah, like it's I a huge that. breadth of time where they systematically just go through the bullshit alex jones sprouts and they're funny and they're kind of educational and i kind of really like working to it i found myself really relaxing to it though it's not a good and- thing to listen to without headphones because people think you're listening to alex jones <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that but anyway, Bill and Ted, um, I still really enjoy them. And I like the fact that they're two films that they're very different to one another. Mm. Like the first one is about two two friends who've got to pass their history report. Yeah. Which I don't think they actually learn anything. <laughs> That's what they just great get about the other it. But it's weird because they're not they're not supposed to like write up about them or or talk about them as a from a history perspective they're going to talk about it from what they would what these histor- historical ca- people would think about San Dimas where they live which is really bizarre yeah but you can do that as a history report that's like because you want to see the student kind of learn about the person and I try guess and, so. like it is but I don't, valid. It's, it's kind of bullshit but it is valid I don't think Bill and Ted learn anything to me no well that's what I like about the ending because it kind of sells that like um, real kind of Ah, what's the wording? That real kind of facade of just presentation. Like, that's all that really matters. Like, in Hollywood, in, in like, that time period, that's all that really matters is them selling a show and and everyone just forgets that there's no content to it. It makes me laugh, though, that, like... So, in that film, you know, Ted's got to wind his watch forward or whatever (laughs) and he forgets to do it, so... They end up having... They end up... When they come back to the present day, they're like, oh, the presentation's in an hour. Yet they still have time to do all of his chores, which they get like Genghis Khan to clean the toilet and stuff. Yeah, like but that. they do it in months. Then they have time to go to the mall where they all get into trouble. They all get arrested and they, <laughs> have, they have to, to rescue to the them mall. with Missy. 
Then they have to set up the whole of the stage show, which is the most elaborate stage show where the guy before <laughs> is just at the, you know, the, what do you call it? The microphone. He's like, San Dimas High School Football Rules. San Dimas High School Football Rules. <laughs> yeah. And then they have this most elaborate stage show. And I'm like thinking, yeah, that's doable in an hour. <laughs> not that i you know i shouldn't question the film that's got time travel in it <laughs> yeah i think i think uh, yeah <laughs> and also do you reckon they must have no no they must have watched back to the future because the the first scene is exactly the same like martin mcfly plays yeah, guitar sure. and blows an amp and then smoke goes everywhere bill and ted blow their amp smoke goes everywhere they have to exit the <laughs> and the time travel and the crazy guy that kind of helps them along the way and all that Rufus. Um, and then i love the second one because it's just hardly any time traveling it's about them going to hell and heaven and these two weird alien looking guys and the grim reaper and robot that versions was, um, of themselves it's nuts so the writer of that recently said about station didn't they it was some sort of joke or it's dare. just a joke wasn't it yeah like well, there was just they... an in joke between them or something and it just ended up being in it well, they had to rewrite the ending because the original ending was like the Colonel and the Brabbit from their hell. Yes, that's to, right. And they're like, they're even being more exaggerated book. versions. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's in the comic book, isn't it? Do you and, know uh, why Stephen Herrick didn't direct that one and they got Peter Hewitt? I always thought that was weird. I've no idea. Maybe they just thought the way that he, because I think maybe did Peter Hewitt do music videos and stuff beforehand. Um, I don't. Yeah, maybe. I, I know it may have just been a stylish yeah. style, like they liked his style because he used more like like Louder forced perspective bit, yeah. sets, yeah. and he was a bit like maybe he was a bit more. I don't know, like for lack of a better word, edgier. Whereas, yeah. and it's a bit more like visually ambitious film than the first one. Definitely, like the first actually. one's quite more classically shot. Just it's you know it's just a normal looking film, whereas this one's got like a lot more going on like prosthetics and camera tricks and all kinds of stuff going on it's weird they both had kind of odd careers because they never really went back to the to the well bill and ted's i wouldn't say either of them bill and ted's their movie um oh it's the right it's chris matheson and ed solomon's isn't it really like um the first film was directed was it stephen herrick and he did critters don't tell mom the babies don't tell mom mighty Mighty ducks Ducks, three musketeers 101 dalmatians yeah. yeah So, like, P. Hewitt did, like, The Borrowers, and he did Home Alone, The Holiday Heist. Did he? I know Garfield he did, Garfield um, and yeah. Zoom. Thunderpants. Thunderpants. <laughs> Which is that film about that kid that farts into space. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> who's directing the new one? Talking about that, who's directing the oh, new the one? Oh, the new one is Dean, uh, Par- is it Parasot? Par- no, he did... Uh, Dean Parasot. Parasol. Is it Parasol? I don't know. He did. It's the guy who did uh, the Tim Allen movie. Galaxy Quest, didn't he do? Galaxy Quest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's cool because Galaxy Quest is amazing. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, Steven Soderbergh's producing that as well. Weirdly. Oh, nice. Good old. I don't know how I feel about a, sh- a clean-shaven um, Keanu Reeves these days, though. <laughs> it does look weird without his beard, doesn't it? Like. It- but he he must have felt good because they delayed um, shooting for John Wick Four, so it allows him to grow it back again after shooting. Is he is he beardless in Matrix Four? Because I'm guessing yeah, that's going to carry on filming, isn't it? Once all this is over. Yeah, it must do. I guess it's on pause at the moment. Though, did you I'm, see? I'm interested. Sorry, what are you going to say? I was going. I was just going to say, did you see that they're shooting um, Avatar Two at the moment? 
happy to see those images come out and say oh they're actually filming that now yeah i guess they so, can I, I guess but it, like it was it's um it was um james cameron on like a platform over a, a big pool of water and a ton of actors in mocap suits in the water below him <laughs> Like, I kind of picture him on a, a high-rise platform anyway. Like, no matter I think what that's how he spends most of his days. On a throne <laughs> yeah. with a big, huge megaphone. So, God knows what that film's going to be. But he's, of course it's in water. It's, it's Cameron. Like, so. Yeah, I think he said that he kind of wants to explore, like, different areas, like, you know, like, different environments of, like, Pandora or whatever. I'm sure there'll be a snow one. Ah, a lava uh, one. There must you be love lava one. one. A yeah, desert one. Go. Gotta be a desert, desert one. Desert one. There you go. Yeah. Jungle de- That's all the video game levels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And maybe a shadow one. That's a good one. Shadow one, yeah. A techno one, like, you know, kind of like Oh, like a techno fir- city. Yeah, like the first level in Sonic Two or whatever. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Like Casino <laughs> City or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully we'll get a Zeppelin. That's always good to fight in a Zeppelin. Yeah. That's the 12 Avatar sequels, isn't it? That's really Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. So, um, what what year are we focusing on this? On t- oh, I'll start that again. That's so, Liam, what year are we focusing on today? Right, so we're right at the end of our miniseries, actually. Cause, so, we're coming to uh, 1998. Which, um, 1998, so... I think of one for no. I think of two films when I think of 1998. But what do you think of? Uh, I've got to stop doing this every time you say what do you think of 1998 or whatever. I go or and I don't know why. Like well, it's such I, a hard. I will introduce you to my film then to stop that. Go on, then. Truman Show is my film in 1998. So it is a fantastic far. film. I rewatched so it this week actually when I was trying to put my list together about what films I like from 1998 and Truman Show was right there and I figured I'm going to put that on and I loved the hell out of it. <laughs> I just loved Yeah, I need film. to rewatch that one but I I do love that film. Um I'm trying to think what films I like. Dark City was a favorite of mine from that year. Oh yeah, cool. I forget about Dark City. Um, Big Lebowski is a huge film from 1998 and the film that wasn't popular at all in 1998 and now is one of the most popular films ever, probably. I feel a lot of films from 98 have that kind of... Mm. Like, Dark City's another one of those. It's a quiet year, because you've got Rushmore as well, which... Yeah. And I would say Pleasantville. Um, yeah. And part... do you know what? Going back to, to Bill and Ted, there's an episode of the Bill and Ted cartoon where um, instead of going into the past or whatever, they some of them they went into books or car or yeah. TV shows, and they even there's one where they go inside of a TV show, and it's like I think I can't remember or not if they bring it to color, but it's a black and white TV show they go into, and they kind of introduce their dudisms and whatever to. Uh, oh, they introduce some some rock into the world, yeah, man, some funk. No, not really funk, is it? No, that's wrong. But yeah, Pleasantville is a wonderful film, but also um. I think did you did did we talk about this before? It doesn't matter. Yeah, because you mentioned Soddenberg, but Out of Sight. If you've ever seen that's Out of a Sight, great film, and it's you've a got wonderful Michael, film. Michael Keaton reprises role from Jackie Brown, doesn't he? He's yeah, the same he does. Character. Yeah, yeah. And um, George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, who are both that was was that maybe their first films? Both of them, maybe. I don't know if they might have done. Saints. No, I think. Well, obviously he'd done. 
Attack of the Killer Tomato. No, oh, Return okay. of the Attack. <laughs> and he, I think he may I guess have I mean post ER. No, he would have done Batman already by then. And out and um, there's one he did with Michelle Pfeiffer, One Fine Day or something like that. I don't remember that at all. But um, I'll tell you one of my favourites from this year, which is probably no one else's favourites from this year, but I love the X-Files movie. And sure. it's probably my nostalgia of loving the X-Files, but I still enjoy that film. Yeah, I, I, I put that on my list as well. It's uh, a good translation. Yeah, and it, to obviously it was originally intended to be the end of the X-Files, which is hilarious. Was it? Was it, was it yeah. actually meant to be the end? But um, I guess they tweaked the end a little bit and just kept on going for another, I don't know, five seasons after that, was it? Probably. Yeah, th- I, th- I think there's definitely some contradictions with the film and in the series when it kind of... Uh, I don't... I, I can't even but... start trying to unravel what the hell I the think, X-Files thinks they're doing with the plot. For me, just the X- I just enjoy those two characters. Yeah, and as long totally. as they're, they've got some good stuff to do, I'm along for the ride. I'm on board with it. Yeah, I agree. But, um, Absolutely. Another great film from that year was Primary Colours, which was a fantastic, wonderful fantastic Mike film. film. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I, like, I don't think that film gets enough um, enough actually no. credit. But um, that's um, what's... Uh, Kathy Bates is wonderful in that film. Oh, the end of She's, that, how she she goes in the end of that film is quite, it's quite heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Mike um, Nichols, a great director, and yeah, like one of his later films, I think. I guess. Do you um, know what film I was really excited for that year as well? And it turned out to probably be one of the worst films in the world. <laughs> that was the Avengers. Oh, the um, what the the uh, the British one. With, yeah. Oh my Uma god. Thurman and Ralph Fiennes. Uma I remember Thurman, we went to yeah. see that at the cinema. Oh, you were obsessed with that film. Yeah, it's probably because Uma Thurman was in a cat suit. Yeah. And you know, that was <laughs> that was a quite an image to a fourteen year old boy. <laughs> did you have a cardboard cutout? I did. I went to the cinema and I was like, Can I have that please? And they went, Yeah, just take it. So yeah. I was like, Can I have the other one as well? And they went, Take both of them. I was like <laughs> So that was just me walking out there with this huge cardboard standy oh dear it makes me cringe actually thinking about that <laughs> for a film that no one no one ever remembers yeah <laughs> isn't sean connery controlling the weather in that film was that the film yes and they they're all dressed as teddy bears which teddy is bears, really bizarre eddie Izzard's in it as a teddy bear like i think under better direction and with a better sense of humor there's probably a better film in there and apparently it was like half of that film was cut out it was like it was like stripped threadbare so there might be I think be you can tell it's a film stuff. that got absolutely just decimated because it makes no yeah, sense so like, when a film I think the that, tone was completely messed around in it so yeah. I'd be, I'd, you never know it, it could have been better but I doubt it <laughs> uh, American just, History X what do you think of that one? Uh, I don't really like it if I'm honest it's one of those films that I don't know. I, I I didn't watch it at the time, and when I eventually got around to watching it, didn't I just didn't really enjoy it that much. It's a bit, it was a bit much for me. Maybe I should go back yeah. and watch it, but I didn't really. No, I don't really like that film really. And you had Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I still. As well? I mean, that that's a good performance from Johnny Depp, I think, and um, yeah, Benicio del Toro, Benicio and you can't Toro, understand a single right. word he says. I fucking love Benicio del Toro in anything. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's just like, what was the 
why why make one decision as an actor when you can make every single decision? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like Benicio's way, and I love it. Like I'd watch him in anything. I still need to watch the second Sicario actually because the first one I absolutely adored. But the first one's really good, yeah. Because the I've second one's the second not Villeneuve, I was just like, oh. But um, in terms of other things that year, I guess the faculty was really big for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it holds up now. I don't know if it holds um, up at all. It's but... basically the thing, isn't it, for kids? Yeah, basically, yeah. Because they all have that drug testing scene kind of thing, you know, where they're like snorting the drug that uh, Josh Hartnett gives out and it kind of like dehydrates them or something. Because they, right. they have to keep hydrated, don't they? And it was um, Christopher Nolan's first film came out as well, The Following. Oh, uh, The Following. That's quite good, actually. That's You can still watch that and it actually, is, it actually works. Yeah. And Pi came out this year as well, talking about first films of like kind of those kind of directors. So Yeah, 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 massively. And Pi like, still holds it. The Following, though, I cringe every time now because when I, on the last week's episode when I talked about, I think it was last week's, the Empire Awards that I went to and I bumped into... Superman. You can look it up, but I gave my speech and I was a bit um again like we were talking, if you meet celebrities you're a bit kind of overwhelmed or whatever, and I was gushing the fact that there's Christopher Nolan looking at me on stage and I'm like, I just want to thank Christopher Nolan and then in my head I was like, Oh shit, stop, 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 stop. stop. No, no. Like, because when I was a kid I saw the following and he made it himself with no money and his friends and I realised I could make films and I thought, Oh god <laughs> <laughs> You just watch the video and I'm just like you can see the fear in my eyes as I keep going on. <laughs> and then I don't stop. Your mouth won't stop. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like <laughs> I'm sure he thought it was charming. I don't know. I, he probably wasn't even listening <laughs> or watching. He was like, until I hear Interstellar being mentioned, I'm not going <laughs> to... don't care. Like, yeah. Oh, well. So, um, oh yeah, there was another film was gonna be, it was released this year that we were going to originally talk about, and that was Happiness. Yeah, that's true. Um, so why did you Happiness. choose, why did you change your idea on which film you wanted to do? <laughs> because you told me happiness was really depressing. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. I just know of it, but I've seen storytelling, and that one's not a great deal of fun. They're good. It's a good <laughs> film, though. Like Todd Salons is Todd Salons. Yeah, I should watch it still, but I just because I um and it's um Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the reasons I really wanted to watch it. Yeah, more than anything else. But um, what's your favourite what... Philip Seymour Hoffman performance? Is it Twister? And if or if not, why not? <laughs> I love him in everything. Um, I love him in The Big Lebowski a lot. I Even Along Came Polly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've watched Along Came Polly. I don't think I have. I've seen that way too many times. It's always on in the video shops when I worked there. We had to keep putting it on to promote it. And it was... I think I love him in The Talented Mr. Ripley a lot, and I love that film a lot, so maybe that's my favourite. But I don't know. The Master? He's, he's, yeah. Was he ever bad in anything? He's just, he's just, he was an amazing actor. He really was. He was like, you know how Rob, when Robin Williams went, I was, I was like, I think, like, I'm not a very overly emotional, sentimental person, but I really got upset when Robin Williams yeah, passed away. Yeah. yeah. And I was the same for Philip Seymour Hoffman because I didn't kind of see it coming. No, I didn't know he it had wasn't... problems with um with heroin. Um, yeah, I didn't know that at yeah. all. Um, and that's, that's really sad because 
I wish he'd got some help, basically. Yeah, but it doesn't matter like how rich or successful you are. No. Your demons are always going to be there, aren't they? No, totally. That's, I think that's the thing that people don't realise that just bec- like Jim Carrey, like you know, look at him. He had all the success in the world, and um, he's not a happy guy. <laughs> uh, no, this is a depressing episode. I was going to say it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter sometimes how much success you get because you're still with yourself and. Yeah. So you never going sometimes you can't escape that. And that's the problem. I some guess, days but. you're happy with yourself, some days you're yeah, not, yeah, I yeah. guess. If you're very problems. unhappy with yourself, you do silly things. Oh well. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what film did we choose to talk about instead? Oh, to lighten the mood, which is like <laughs> <laughs> No, so this this um this week we're talking about Wilt Stillman's The Last Days of Disco. I don't know, I'm not really a disco type. I probably wouldn't get in anyway. Of course you'll get in. Holly's gorgeous. Before disco, this country was a dancing wasteland. You know the Woodstock generation of the 1960s that were so full of themselves and conceited? None of those people could dance. I don't care. I don't want that element in the club. Okay, I work in advertising. Is that a crime? What's happening in this country? I have a very bad feeling about the clubs. It's like a meteorite is headed straight for it. It's going to destroy everything. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll be a meteorite. There's something deeply ingrained in human biology. Women prefer bad over weak and indecisive and unemployed. I don't know about that. You think they do prefer weak and decisive and unemployed? In a few years, we don't marry some corporate lawyer. What if we marry some meatball like you? So, uh, Last Days of Disco came out in 1998, as you say, directed by Wilt Stillman. It stars Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Sevigny, I believe you pronounce it. Um, and about and, ten men that all look the same. Oh, I love that cast. I, I, I was so excited by some of these people. Um, but... Um, plot is kind of it's basically just the summary or it just says that it's set in the very late days of di- like sorry the very early 80s is the way it words itself and it's just about a couple of recent graduates who are trying to make their way through the new york kind of social scene i guess that's that's a nice little summary of it um yeah i guess so your thoughts or what should we go for the <laughs> plot or um <laughs> tied a bit of a journey with this film as well so this might be a very one-sided conversation <laughs> i really did not like this film at all like i i really struggled with this film it it just like it was it's it's meant to be a comedy drama sure. i got no sense of comedy from like nothing oh, made me at least smirk or like i don't know it this is just not a film for you for me which That's is fine. fine not every film's yeah, yeah. made for people and i'm i'm glad i watched it in a way but at the same if i hadn't have watched it i don't think i'd have missed anything <laughs> like well it was it's... you're not alone because it was a complete bomb when it came out yeah uh, and it's taken years to get any kind of recognition or any kind of like momentum really um but do you know wilt stillman at all do you have any experience of him as like a writer or director not really. I mean, I know he did like was it Metropolitan and Barcelona? Yeah, that Barcelona, are, like considered yeah. like this is like considered like, part of a trilogy, yeah. like a thematical trilogy or something. Yeah, it's it's but is it the Bourgeois in Love trilogy or something? He calls yeah, it. Yeah, something. It's like very that. much and like that. They're all about kind of upper middle class, younger people, um, kind of navigating the social problems 
of the time. They're very much, he very much writes, what well, I think the best way to word it is, he very much writes Jane Austen novels, but set in kind of modern, modern yeah. world. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I don't like it that much, because I can't really relate to the characters. But that's then fine. again, uh, I'm not a Jedi either, and I like <laughs> Luke Skywalker, but somehow I like him, so, but I don't know. But he's I kind of interesting because two... he did these three films and then stopped making films, basically, up until... T- was um, it Love and Friendship? No, it wasn't Love and Friendship. No, Damsel in Distress was 2011 and then he did Love and Friendship in 2016, which I actually didn't know he made Love and Friendship and I, I'm going to go watch that because Love and Friendship is actually a Jane Austen short story, which he adapts, uh, okay. um, which I think all his other films do feel like these kind of modern Jane Austen things. So if you don't like kind of Austen-esque stories, you're never going to get along with this because they are that. Um, and my fa- yeah. one of my favourite thing about- I have to say that I-, I say my journey I watched it on Monday actually and I didn't really get along with it very well but it kind of sat with me and every day since Monday I kept on thinking about things in the film and lines in it and stuff in it so I went back and watched it again because it just wouldn't leave me so I watched it again and completely reappraised what I thought about it and the second time watching it I absolutely loved it I, I-, I, I mean- loved so much about it that I just didn't get the first time so maybe I, my frame of mind this week has tainted it or maybe maybe i don't know maybe i need but, to give it another watch but, it just, but it, it just it's okay if you don't like me. something I'm, I'm, no like, i know you know, like, but it, i think it just it really started working for me it was some like a little seed was in my head and i just couldn't stop thinking about it and wanting to kind of look at stuff i'm a big i always say this about um books but i think it relates to films as well that I struggle reading a book if I don't read the blurb on the back of a book. Like if I don't so read, you haven't the got like of... you just know the overall idea. Of yeah, it, I, some it. reason for especially with books, I need to have some sort of like um, roadmap or idea of what the characters are before I actually read it. And that's I don't know, I don't know why, but I just always find I have a better time with the book if I read the kind of blurb. And I think I think the same thing sometimes with film is I'm a big believer in the fact that. I don't really. I liked people to talk about and listen and talk about and think about films af, like years after they've come out and not just immediately. Because I think it's really nice for a film to kind of sit round for a bit and to sit round yeah. in your head for a bit and and kind of percolate and and other people come at it at different angles and then you get more interesting conversations about about what it was doing or what it has. And I guess I went so, on a very micro little journey with that, with this, that I watched it one day and just didn't work for me, but it wouldn't leave me. So I went back and watched it again. So like this film is very much like it focuses on like social structures and like sexual politics and like group dynamics. But the thing that didn't ring true to me was the way that these people became friends or how their relationships formed. Like I didn't quite one second they they didn't know each other and the next minute they're dating and stuff and i just didn't get any connection of any yeah relationship that, building and what i struggled with definitely the first time i watched it was the fact that there's there's no um hand holding in the kind of yeah. time passage so there's very i think i wouldn't be surprised if over a year passes in this film well it um, goes it's got two two title cards i know one says spring yeah one winter yeah that's right i don't know um, and I think that was because there's definitely one scene when uh, um, Alice is dating Des, and then the next scene she's dating Josh. And yeah, so I was a bit. And there's then basically the, the, the film doesn't care that they haven't spelled that out for you. 
it just you know it's moving on at a fucking pace this film is really um, in that kind of stuff so, so I, I guess the two leads they work in a publishing yeah company they're both they're they're both in to, like, which is I, I wrote this down that like kind of book publishing is the most movie job that exists next to like um architect it's for me is those two jobs that screenwriters love to say like my character's in book publishing or my character's in in architect and i thought like it really made me laugh that it was book publishing for this it's such yeah a and then of... the other ones are like uh in advertising yeah you got an ad guy you've got a like a da uh and you've got the guy who kind of runs the business for the club I guess that's the, yeah. I'm that's not. I'm not going to like. Like I said earlier, like I just found it very confusing because they've all got that same floppy <laughs> haircut, and they're all wear those power suits. Those they all do. The side. It's like found... we were talking about with Glenn Glary and Ross with those huge suits. That like the trousers are up to their armpits, pretty much, <laughs> and they've got a big, massive tie. It's all. Do you find that. it really funny that the image of people going to a club in a in a full suit and that, <laughs> I was just in like this dancing in a full suit and tie? I just found it so funny. And, uh, but I did like because it's set in the it's set in like early eighties is just what it says nineteen eighty or whatever. Um, but I liked how they looked. I mean, this is set in like ni- so it's nineteen ninety eight. So it's it only wasn't looking... over the top eighties, was it? it yeah, wasn't... it wasn't. That's what I mean. It was it was eighties, but it wasn't like it wasn't wedding singer eighties. Yeah, totally, perms well, and it was not further like enough that. away from the eighties that they were kind of you know going for the stereotype of the look of, of what it looked like, and I. I, I thought the film looked really stylish in a way because of that. Well, I prefer it when films do that, like do things like that. Like if I remember, like I haven't watched this film in a long time, so it could be utterly garbage, but I'm not talking about its quality as a film. But <laughs> like Donnie Darko, when, the, when yeah, how that yeah. shows the 80s, I quite like because it's yeah, not me too. It's not over the top. It's just quite stilted and, and just, more normal and stuff like that. And there's kids not just, in jeans and Adidas trainers, not like yeah, and they don't make it the 80s Jordan. by putting pop culture everywhere. Yeah, but, yeah. Which, which I like. It's just the eight is there, like without. Like, there's not posters for fucking every you know film around and stuff like that. That's one of the reasons why like Stranger Things or like uh, Super Eight annoy me because it's yeah. like the eighties wasn't like that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's like <laughs> it's like when they do an eighties film and all the cars are eighties and it's like no, there'd be cars from the seventies and the sixties in yeah, there. Totally, yeah, yeah. There'd be, yeah. There'd there. be a mix of it's, stuff because that's the way the world is. Yeah, exactly. And it's like no, it's just. Little, it's just it's, that yeah everyone's got beads everyone's got like yeah. like leg warmers on and then don't you find colors. it like the only uh, the clubs that i went to would never like not allow you to go in because i was thinking about that I, this film did make me think a lot about when i came back from university and we were still going out clubbing so like I was thinking we I could even make a, a film called like The Last Days of New Metal or something like <laughs> can can we make that please? <laughs> Cuz it's that I I really related to the fact that there was this dying um kind of dying to I don't be know fair, new metal culture. might be very much a, akin to disco Yeah yeah okay. it was around for like about the same amount of time a little and... breadth of time and it was a really niche thing that like was, at one point was huge but we were doing we were going out 
after I came back from university in a time when it wasn't huge anymore. The bigger clubs were playing yeah. different music. So we were going to these little metal punk clubs and stuff that were still playing like, you know, metal and punk music. So I really related to the fact that you're trying to still fit into a little scene that's dying. And it feels really important to you at the time. Like to these characters, it feels really important about being like disco aficionados or whatever one of the quotes are. But really... Yeah, I'd never it... do a speech though, like at the end about Neil yeah, yeah. though. <laughs> but, it's um... in our hearts... I found that really relatable. I really did. Because they're obviously the recent graduates. They're coming out trying to find... I really liked how the two main characters wouldn't be friends at school. They're just friends because they've ended up in the same kind of position outside of university. And I think that's really relatable when you come out of university that you're suddenly hanging out with the mean girl that, that used to be at high school, but you just ended up in the same world doing the and same job. And one of their job. roommates, they don't even know, do they? Yeah, Holly, they don't know she, her at She all. just yeah. obviously applied for the same apartment and just... Yeah. Which, you know, I've been there. I've, I've shared houses with people I barely knew and stuff yeah. like that. You just And people you'd never hang out with socially. You're suddenly ha you're like being forced to go to a club with and stuff who you don't really know. And I found that. I saw that in this film, I think. I think that was one of the things I really yeah, liked that's a, That is a good point. Like, I did, I did find it hard to know who who knew each other. Like, So at the beginning of the film... Are we meant to believe that Kate Beckinsale and Chloe... I can't pronounce the surname. Seveny. They don't know any of the males in that film until they're introduced to them. No, no. Kate Beckinsale, Charlotte's definitely slept with um, Jimmy once. Because um, she, they, she goes up to him at the club to dance with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Jimmy's the ad guy. <laughs> Is so, he the one um, who gives her the gonorrhea? No, that's Tom. So Tom oh, is the another guy fluffy from, haired guy. He's the guy from uh, what do you call it? Um, uh Dead Poet Society. So he's the oh, yeah. he's the married guy who is split up from his wife and sleeps with Alice and and a lot of other girls by the sounds and a lot of other girls and <laughs> then refuses to admit that he's the one who gave her the clap or gonorrhea and then um and herpes. Which... I don't know why he's very. They're all very nebbish. These guys. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> But it's a. I love that um, that opening bit of this film where you you see them jump into the cab to go down the street to try and get in. Them just which being, is only like just a little just a block. They can't turn up on their feet. They have to look like they got money. Yeah. Um, them just getting in. The other people getting rejected. Them getting slowly and slowly more drunk. Like the bit when Alice is just sitting on the sofa waiting for a drink and she's like out of place and bored and annoyed. I was like, I've been that person in the yeah, club yeah, so often. Um, and slowly getting more comfortable dancing on the dance floor, going back to, you know, splitting off with a partner, going back to people's houses and then like in the, like sleeping with them and then going home in the morning. I was like, that's a perfect 20 minutes. I think it was of a night out, which I don't think it's, I've not ever seen something shot that well as like a, experience of like a night out really i'm in i'm interested to know though like if so you see like if you if you see a queue for a, a club in england yeah how does that work it's a straight queue it's like <laughs> just you know an orderly fashion in america it just seems like a mass of people that just have to barge their way to the front like yeah you can come in i was thinking the own i think i've been to a few clubs when you worry about getting in uh, you know they have to. You know you have to wear this type of shoes, or you have to wear that like this kind of trousers. I mean, I've been like rejected from the royal round here before. Not <laughs> shoes, I'm not trying. But I remember and the then... jam house. We used to um, we used to split off into 
groups, didn't we? Because they wouldn't allow. Because they wouldn't allow too many men in at once. Yeah. You'd have to do it like. So two we'd be in the time. actress and send two at a time round the corner. Yeah. Which I don't even no. know why we went to the jam house. I don't remember ever having a good night in there. I don't know. <laughs> like, no, I remember my friend, our friend Rob. He was wearing. He was obsessed with like the Mighty Boosh at the time, and like Noel Fielding, and would wear those big white pointy like, like shoes with a bit of a heel. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. they looked at his shoes and they're like, "No, nah, you're not coming in." <laughs> <laughs> but one of the times, our friend Scott Adkins, he would he was wasn't even allowed into the royal because he had trainers on. So he took his socks off, his black socks, and put them over his trainers, and they let him. I'm <laughs> like, surely seeing a man wearing trainers is better than seeing a man with socks on his feet. I don't know. Bouncers, they have their own little world. I know. The guy, the um, bouncer in this, by the way, one of my fucking favourite characters from the film, his accent was the end of the well, film he's, when he's picking up his unemployment. Well, he's I was like, just going to say this. like He's like a, a, a little bit character that pops up now and again. And then at the end, he has a massive conversation <laughs> with him. Like, he's best friends. I'm like, like, he's best friends with him, fuck, yeah. Where the fuck have you come from? He was a guy, well, basically, he was a guy at work who hated Des, but because they bumped into each other at the end of the film, they're suddenly, like, like really chatty, and he's telling him everything. But I love how he's so floppy at the end of the film, and, like, and um, he's, um, I can't remember the guy's act. He's an actor. He's in Incubi Goes Down. Um, but he's in, um, he's Gore Vidal's, like, um, nephew or something bizarre like that. I've got so many notes for this film that I want to find the the quote that he says at the end of the film, and I can't because I've got too many notes. <laughs> you know how you said you like the scene inside the club when it first goes in there? Sure. So you see a lot of different people in there, and I was thinking I'd rather see a film about any one of these people. That's fair. <laughs> people in, like it's a very white film. It's very so, white. and it's yeah. like the thing is with disco music, it origin like a lot. A lot of its origin is in within black music, and it's like it's a shame that that's not referenced in the film. Well, uh, but I'm guessing. A, but but this is that, what I was going to get to though, because it's at the tail end of the disco yeah. life, like probably like. Black it music been, then was going towards hip hop, and it had been co-opted was, by that point. Yeah, it was, it was, by you know, rich white on. yuppies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. what you see so, in this. That is good in a what? Like I don't know. In a way, I got a bit of thing about disco actually because I was really there was a scene in this film when they show um, disco demolition night, and that's an event that happened at Chicago in 1979, which there was a. I, I think it's really interesting it's crazy but it's one of these moments that was like signifying the end of like the disco movement and there was a dj called steve dahl who um he he was like a shock jock in chicago at the time and he basically made this huge campaign against disco and and decided that he was going to team up with like um with the uh, boston white Sox. no no sorry the chicago white Sox, and have an event where you can if you can get into the to see the baseball game if you bring a disco record with you and you can get in for like 98 cents i think it was and you can yeah. and they they would blow up all these disco like records in the middle well, of that's the, in the film isn't the it you see the you yeah see they the show baseball. the and what it leads to is one of the biggest riots that ever happened in like the chicago history <laughs> or something that he um he blew them all up and then people just went fucking wild and this, this 50,000 people stormed like the, the stadium and started tearing chairs out and attacking cops and attacking any black people because <laughs> funnily enough the hatred of disco was really just a wild kind of hatred of black people <laughs> and black music yeah. being seen to take over the charts and it's this really weird um, microcosm that you got this mix of rockers who were saying that this weird I don't know black and 
I guess gay street scene and female led like vocals were kind of ruining their their real rock and they kind of well, resented it's a shame. it. Well, the stuff. thing is though, rock music its origins is is in rhythm and yeah. blues. Well, which, like a good example disco of this. comes from because it goes from funk to rhythm. It yeah. all comes from this same yeah like source. Well. It's, it's ridiculous that they can't see that. Like the the chord structures and things like that are all is all the same. Yeah, and like well, the Rolling Stones like, used to tour with disco acts. And yeah, like Kiss did a disco song, and then like, in the 1991, Clash even did more like funk and soul kind of inspired yeah. music and stuff, and. But yeah, so yeah, the, uh, in 1981, the Rolling Stones then went, then toured with Prince, and the hatred of kind of this disco music had got such big by the by the 80s that Prince was like booed off stage. Is was Prince considered disco? Well, he's kind of funk, so he came from disco and stuff like that, wasn't he? Prince like, rocks, though. I but, yeah, Prince, Prince fucking rocks. But that's just, it. Became a thing about black artists, you know. It it really did, and like it was became a thing about emasculation like you couldn't just go to a club wearing a scruffy t-shirt and jeans you had to be dressed up and even worse your girlfriend would expect you to keep kind of dance with you on the dance floor and and oh god forbid were... yeah i know but it became this proper sort of like bullshit like like white male thing so it wasn't even about disco music it all became this kind of real the one like bullshit the one thing, thing i do like though is doing in the crowd scenes of like you know in the club that you know being gay is not seen as anything wrong it's like openly acceptable and you've got people like dressed up as like the tin man and you've got all these kind yeah, of crazy guys. for some reason the black men are all dressed tank. as pharaohs though <laughs> i um, think i think there were a couple of people in the um disco I don't club know if to work there from his other films i think but i am um... because do, doesn't some of the actors aren't some of the actors or characters in i think some of his other films? i think the, the lady who runs the publishing house is from um uh, Manhattan, I think. Uh, no, Metropolitan. Not Metropolitan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. And I know uh, Eichmann, the guy who plays Des, he's in all three of his films. Um, okay. And the guy, play- he was also, he played um, Arnold Rimmer in the um, American remake of Red Dwarf. <laughs> really? <Ball. laughs> yeah. You can kind of see that. <laughs> I can too, yeah. Uh, so, I got, oh God, there's so, like, barely anything happens gets... in this film, but we've not actually started. Well, he gets fired, doesn't he? At some because basically he's get gets in trouble for letting one of his friends in, who's like in in pub, who's in advertising, because he doesn't yes. want to see he doesn't want like yuppie type people in his club. Yeah, which is ridiculous because the entire club's full of yuppies. Yeah, <laughs> and then he fires him at some point, but then the next scene he's working there again. So he doesn't fire. Yeah, fire. he fires him, but like they go to the other club that wrecks his club and they're they're sitting there the whole time just going oh he's gonna let me back he does this all the time kind of thing he, he yeah. reminded me the club owner of the club owner from the mask yes that's a good call <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, ponytailed yeah, yeah. kind of power i was gonna suit. say the guy who runs the other club rex that's um thingy bob there's another club the, you know they go to the other bar they, they moan that they can't oh, the dance bar, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um the guy who runs that is uh mark mckinney from kids in the hall as well. Which characters? I'm trying to think what he looks like now. I had to look it up. It, he's not in it very much, but they go to like Rex's bar and they all go, "Oh, I know you can't it's dance Rex's in there properly and stuff." Um, um, that's when they have that conversation about uh, I can tell if a, a person's gay bush by looking in their eyes, and he's like, and he tells well, you that have story a... about breasts and stuff." Yeah, and he goes, "You have a gay mouth." He goes, "What do you mean have a <laughs> gay mouth?" <laughs> okay, that made me laugh. That, that, to be fair. <laughs> I actually thought, yeah, I thought Ted was actually kind of sweet in that bit. 
but that's the uh, that's my one of my favorite bits of the film when they're saying like you know it's gavin belson from silicon valley who i can't remember the actor's name um he's go he's uh dan from the office and he's walking to them to the other club and they're all talking about how they're not yuppies and Dan from the back goes, are you seriously trying to claim you're not a yuppie? And they're both like, yeah. no, look, we aren't a blue mobile. And like, yeah, okay. He's, nice. He was my favourite character, even though he was a bit, a bit of a dick now and again. Which one, sorry? The one who worked in the publishing. Uh... Yeah, I liked Dan. I liked Dan a lot. I like how like he's trying to organise them to, to do like union stuff. but And he goes, you keep moaning about how little we're getting paid. And they're like, oh, well, we're not doing silly union things. And then by the end yeah. of the film, they all lose their jobs <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And she's like, and I think Kate Beckinsale's character right at the end of the film, she's like, well, maybe if they cut the chaff from the company, we'll all get paid better and we can then afford better apartments. And she ends up just losing a job. <laughs> Those are, that apartment, what was it called? Like a subway? Railway no. apartment or something? Railway so yeah, it's meant to be like yeah. the length of like a, a subway yeah. train. Did you see the the look of the plugs in that apartment? I would not want to put any plug sockets. I would not want to put any plugs in those. The amount of paint that's like piled up on those things. Sorry, that was what I was noticing in this film. I was just like looking. I was I was thinking I would live in that apartment. I I probably wouldn't want to live with housemates in that apartment. But if but as a, as a place just to live on your own, it's amazing. I like the the fact to get to the toilet, they have to go out of the the apartment. Yeah, down the hallway and, and back in again. Because otherwise, they have to go through everyone's bedrooms, and they're all shagging or whatever in the <laughs> respected rooms. I hate that word. I don't know why I said that. What shagging? Yeah, I don't know why it's one it's of those words. Word. <laughs> I don't know why I said it. Um, this this film. So, uh, where are we? <laughs> I was going to say I loved the bit when the like. Uh, Kate Beckinsale, Charlotte is saying to Alice, like, look, you've just got to throw sexy into conversations because it's a hint. It's like one of those hints that men will pick up pick up on. And she's like, this fabric is so sexy and stuff. And the guys next to her are like, yeah, it's quite yeah, good, it is. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but then Alice Alice goes back to Tom's house and she's trying to play it all like seductory and like sexy. Scrooge and, McDuck is and sexy. the Scrooge McDuck comics, yeah. <laughs> I've always found Scrooge McDuck really sexy. I I don't believe that was an original Scrooge McDuck artwork though. Like no, from like they'd be much bigger. Carl Banks. The original the original ones would be much bigger, not yeah. like small comic not like book a small print press. I agree. <laughs> psh, psh, come on, art department. <laughs> I was quite impressed that they even mentioned Karl Marx as like the actual artist. So did you know that Ben Affleck wanted to play Des in this film? I didn't know that. I can see it. And then uh, Winona Ryder was offered the part of Chloe. You know, what's what's Chloe's character? Um, I'm getting mixed up. Chloe is Alice, I think. So she was offered Alice's part. Okay. But then before she could even get back, like apparently she phoned back to say, yeah, I'll do it or whatever. But before that, Chloe, because she was cast, yeah. I really, really liked her in the movie. I really liked that Kate Beckinsale's character. I think she's such a bitch in this film and just so... Oh, yeah. It's just so infuriating. Like when uh, she, she says in the middle of the group, she just says that Alice has um, gonorrhea. Oh, gonorrhea. Yeah, that and was then, a bit... Everyone does look at her and go, what the fuck? Why yeah, and, when just... she, and she defends herself by going, no, because she's got this this antibiotics and that's the one that cures gonorrhea so i'm not wrong and then it's like that's not the point you know like yeah and when she storms off she's just like oh she's such a scorpio 
And I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. I need to apologise for. I should probably give this film another shot, but uh, <laughs> selling it to me better than the film. I, I I just I've got so many just lines written down on this sheet of paper that I just loved in it. I just did you that that kind of um. Ah, oh, you're the first women friends I've ever known. I can't believe how evil I was, but I've completely changed now. VD's not all that bad. You'll find them enormous <laughs> possibilities from it. <laughs> like, you get to so, call up all your ex-boyfriends and tell them you have VD, and sometimes that leads to, like... <laughs> so, like, not to skip to the end. Well, I am skipping to the it end. It doesn't matter. There's no she, plot. There's, there's so little plot in this film. She hurts her back or does something. What does she do? What? That... She, no, she has a miscarriage. Oh, is she that gets, what it is? Yeah, Jimmy gets her pregnant. She goes yeah. through that whole thing when she's moaning about babies, and then she has that whole scene when she's actually trying to like say that babies are really cool because <laughs> she misses. I got a that. I just totally missed the fact it was a miscarriage. Yeah, well, Jimmy does misses it as well because she goes like, <laughs> maybe um, I'm like Jimmy. Oh no, because <laughs> he goes like he goes to her apartment to break up with her because he wants to take the job in Barcelona, and. She go. He goes. I was. I was just telling her that I, we wanted to split up, and she had her period at that point, and we had to phone the ambulance. And when she mean, I had a period. It means she had a miscarriage. But I like the fact that it's obviously happened to him again. My <laughs> ex. It happened to my ex girlfriend. She hurt her back, and then she was all right when I left. <laughs> yeah, she has a miscarriage and ends up, and that's when she's yelling at um, Alice, even though Alice hasn't done anything. But she's like, um, what's that line? She goes. Uh, being around you hasn't been good for me or my back, which I thought was just a great line. <laughs> yeah, she has a, like, and then Alice, her job goes really well, and she ends up getting promoted. But whereas, do you think they try and set Jimmy up to be the nice one or whatever, and then it turns out he's just as much a prick as anyone else? I think I, th- I, I thought him was a prick. I don't know. I guess I thought he was kind of gets introduced as a prick. I thought they were all yeah. pricks. Basically. Well, yeah, he does. To be fair, he is because he throws his coat to his to that yeah, guy. To that guy yeah, to that guy. Yeah, he's wearing a brown suit. They think he wears bad clothes. Yeah, and um, I liked Josh though. Josh was the nice guy from the film. He was the one the who's DA basically guy. got men. He's got like a personality. Was it? No, I think he just has depression or something. Depression. Mate, they call depression, him. Sorry. They call him what? They call him Looney or something? Or yeah, probably some, something horrible. <laughs> something horrible like that. Um. And he has that whole speech about a uh, lady in the Trump, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> that you... felt like a, a Quentin Tarantino kind of thing. No, no. Yeah. Was... <laughs> what's the um, film that he re- right? What's the? It's the Madonna oh. one from Reservoir Dogs. No, no, it's not from Reservoir Dogs. Oh shit! It's the um. I I was thinking of the Top Gun deconstruction in Sleep with Me. It's that one. Um. <laughs> it's when he tears into Top Gun in, about about the whole the whole film in the film he he didn't direct Sleep with Me he wrote it. I haven't seen that one. Well, put that on the list. Okay. <laughs> Tarantino wrote it. Yeah, I think. Sleep. Am with I me? going? I've never heard of this film. Am I going completely mad? Yeah, it's a cameo by Quentin Tarantino in which he expounds on the homoerotic subtext of Top Gun to Todd Field. So it's. It's the bit when it's Quinta Tarantino's acting. That's right. Oh, I don't want to watch him act. Jesus. No. And that's when he goes into Top Gear for eight. Top Gear. Top, Top Gear. We should cut all <laughs> this bit out. <laughs> this has been pointless. I've never heard of this film. Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Meg Tilly. Craig Sheffer. 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 Parker Posey. Joey Lauren Adams. It sounds like a, 
a full-on 90s movie. <laughs> I think it's from 2004. 1994. 19, oh, is it? I don't Box know Box office, $200,000. <laughs> well, yeah, they basically compare Lady and the Tramp saying that Tramp is like not a good figure, not a good kind of person to be in relationship with because he's always going right. to be... He's always going to be chasing girls. He's he's always going to be like the the junkyard kind of delinquent, yeah. and and really, lady should have been setting down with a nice Scotty dog who was a much more nicer, loyal guy. And they continuously bring that up. Like Des continuously brings it up because Des gets really angry at Josh, and he continuously brings it. Going, no, I actually relate to the Scotty dog a lot. Actually, I'm not not I'm not a tramp. You know that they try and said that Jimmy does a lot of he starts doing drugs or something. Not Jimmy, is it? Des. Sorry, Des, he's drugs. doing coke constantly. Yeah. But you don't really, they, they don't, again, like you said, they don't handhold, they don't really show it. No, as it's far all, as yeah. Like, yeah. It's, like, not until they mention it near the end. No, it's just very, like, there's stuff like, someone's walking into a room and he's sitting there and he's clearly just done, he's just, he just snorted a bit of coke and stuff like that and things. And there's a whole bit he's, later on when he goes on about not being an addict, he's just a, I can't remember what he says, he's a connoisseur or something. There's a there's a woman in it, and I think her is she is she called Tiger Lady or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Is that the basically the cougar, the older lady that's always dancing around and he yes, has sex yes. with? Yeah, yeah. So is that what like the original name for a cougar, Tiger Lady? Well, they said she looks like she, they call her Tiger Lady, and like Alice goes, "Well, that's not actually a tiger pattern; that's a leopard pattern." And they go, "Well, actually, <laughs> she normally wears tiger patterns." <laughs> So, like, this film, I think they had to rush it. Okay. Uh, because the film uh, 54 was going to come out, you know, based uh, on yeah, sure. Studio 54. Yeah, we so, should have said that this is blatantly based on, like, Studio 54. Studio 54. But that film was, had a bigger, like, probably a more, like, had a bigger cast. It had, like, Mike Myers and Ryan Phillippe. No, was it Ryan Phillippe? Yeah, I think it was. It's been ages and, um, since I watched that. But I, again, I think that film flopped as well. Yeah, I think so. Had a bigger budget and it flopped just as hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think this film beat it to coming out. I think. But yeah. I am. Um, actually, because I was, I don't know. Have you seen Francis Ha? Yeah, yeah. The, I I was watching this and I kept on thinking of Francis Ha actually, so I actually watched Francis Ha after this. <laughs> um, I preferred Francis Ha a lot though. Oh, I love Francis Ha. I do like Francis Ha more than this. Um, but it, it it was funny that I just couldn't stop thinking of Francis Har, and I just wanted to watch Francis Har. Basically, I was watching this, going, I might put on Francis Har after this. Like that's that's a great film. It's set in New York, and it's about a female lead character running around and doing things. Do you know that um, Stillman uh, like rewrote it as a book? Yeah, he wrote. Yeah, he did. He did a novelization of it like ten years later, was it or twenty years? Yeah, later and it, it won the Pre Fitzgerald Award, or whatever that is. Congratulations. Yeah. Sounds Mr. prestigious. It does sound prestigious. So I, um, I don't know how it differs to the uh I guess to it the film. Must have more detail in it. Because the, the undercurrent what's going on during this is that the disco club is um like laundering money. Yeah. And the DA Josh has been hiring Jimmy to take IRS officers into the club so they yeah. can have a look around and find out what's been going on unbeknownst to Des who's the guy who kind of runs the kind of the management of it but Josh goes out of his way to kind of protect Des from any kind of um, prosecution which ends up with Josh losing his job as well 
Um, that bit where the IRS or the police storm the club and the Bernie is kind of running away with his files and he tucks them I'm down. I was just going to say the exact thing. <laughs> he hides it behind a chair and he's like, Which you everyone can't touch those. They're mine. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not how it works. <laughs> and he's got, hasn't he got drugs in it? Is that what Yeah, they... there's like four yeah. bags of coke in it or something. That's the worst idea anyone's ever had. It's addicted yeah. to anything. I mean, I don't know what actually happened to Studio Fifty Four. Like, if something similar happened to that place, or I imagine so. I don't know. I, I'm, I think a lot of sordid things went down in that club. <laughs> I can imagine so. <laughs> and like, I remember that like club owners are always fucking sordid. Because I have seen that film a while ago. It's been a while, but um, Mike Myers plays the club owner in that. I think, and he's into all kinds of yeah shenanigans and stuff like that. I don't really remember that film at all. I have to say. Oh, it was one of those like it's on at one in the morning kind of things, and you're just kind of half asleep watching it. So, <laughs> I just yeah, I guess I just found this film really quotable, and things just sticking in my mind as I'm thinking about it. Just like when they're dancing, and one of the guys is talking about how depressed he's been, and someone just dances up to him and goes, "God, isn't this place fantastic?" and just like <laughs> dances off again. And I just find that that juxtaposition of that kind of skeeviness of the the the, um, the kind of club was really fun. Um, and I liked spending, I guess I just like spending time with the characters. And I guess that was that kind of feeling of, like, how do you word it? The characters don't know how kind of good they have it right there and then. Like, they're yeah. just kind of coming, they're in a really good kind of, they love the street, like the music they're going to watch. They love the guy like, being out in the clubs and things. They got that whole thing at the end. I think, what does she say? Settling down with someone just ruins your kind of nightlife or something, and yeah. they got that. They like they kind of are like, as I say, they're like Austin characters without the kind of intelligence. They think they have the wit and intelligence. They actually don't. They kind of don't have any of that yet. But they just they talk like they do have it all. Especially Kate Beckinsale's character, who thinks she kind of knows everything, but really doesn't know anything at all. And like, yeah. she kind of. I found it really funny how she was speaking like those Austin characters, but just being completely wrong and an idiot. And that was really appealing to me. I did like how at the end it kind of broke the fourth wall and they all start dancing on the, the love train or whatever it is. And then, then everyone at the uh, subway is all dancing and stuff like that. Which I read they shot on this. There's empty like subway stations in <clears throat> New York that you can shoot on or something. I'm surprised that for the budget they had, I think it was like an $8 million budget. I'm surprised they managed to shoot a whole film in New York and stuff. But I guess most of it's filmed either in the club or in their, um, oh, in their, their apartment, houses. I guess. Yeah, I guess. There's not too many shots on the street. The exterior, yeah. There's a few. But I guess they were used to filming in New York as well, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you meant to think that they're living in like the Greenwich Village kind of area of New York or I think they're meant to be living in the um Manhattan oh they actually area. say in the film I can't remember Upper East I think which was okay. it would be the up and coming area at the time Yeah yeah like, so that's near the is that near that's near the university I think Yeah um, no yes. I don't know I wouldn't know But it's, but it's past Central Park I think Yeah But I think it would I think what you Past saw the in this was kind of like the hotel. That's how I know. My <laughs> <laughs> like Ghostbusters landmarks. Yeah. I think what you see in this is that kind of young yuppie people moving into areas that were much poorer. I think they moan like Dan. I think moans about the fact that they're 
the building they're living in were designed for like working class families and now yeah, like just young that. people are packing themselves into it and stuff so that yeah, it's but... basically like um changing the neighborhood and changing the look of the neighborhood which is the same thing you said about disco it's the same thing that they've appropriated this black music and it, the club is now just full of rich young white people rather than being music for like black people how it started so I guess yeah. they're doing the same thing to the they're doing the same thing to the city that they're doing to that kind of scene. But um, yeah, going back, it can't be Greenwich Village because that's quite a a well-off area, I think, in New York, isn't it? It's where all the so. Friends characters live who oh, live in right? like the biggest apartments ever. I, when I think I of Greenwich think Village, I just think big. of Rent. Isn't that where Rent's yeah. at? When maybe maybe I I mean I can only speak to when I went to Greenwich Village a few years ago, and it's quite a nice area, so. Well, I think I think the history of it is where it used to be where loads of artists and kind of young, like queer people lived and stuff. And slowly, a lot of rich people moved in, and landlords moved in and transformed it to a very rich neighborhood. Like, oh, like Digbeth. (laughs) Yeah, this is what people do. (laughs) Like, this is. Yeah, they've started to build loads of like shoebox apartments in Digbeth just to cram people in because they think uh, everybody's going to live in Birmingham because of HS2. Yeah, totally. And so it's just going to create loads of unaffordable living for people who <laughs> won't live in there and can't. In already unaffordable awesome. living place. Um, is there anything else I can say about this? I probably could keep talking, but I mean, um, are you a fan of disco music? Not really, no. If I'm honest, <laughs> there's a there's a few disco it's fine. bangers. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the music in this. It kind of doesn't stop. It's continuous to disco music, really, in the film. Yeah. So. Um, I enjoyed the film, the music in it, yeah. But I don't think I've ever sat down and put disco music on. <laughs> it's not one of your playlists you put on Spotify. <laughs> no. Though I have Alexa, been singing Love Play my disco playlist. <laughs> yeah. Play disco, please. Siri, play disco. But Yeah, I'm kind of spent, I think. Don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this film. It just didn't do anything for me. Maybe I need to give it another go, but I'm it's sorry, fine. man. I tried. <laughs> it's all right. I don't think we have to agree on everything. It's true. It's true. I think I just yeah. I guess because at the end, the start, the end of the start of the film, there's so much like promise about what they're going they're going to happen to them. By the end of the film, they're all unemployed apart from Alice. Like, but they're they're all kind of refusing to see that. Um. You know. They're kind of life just careens through this film in the same way that like. The, the world's careening at the time like there's no stopping to kind of let you kind of take anything in things are just happening constantly to them and they end up just unemployed at the end still kind of friends but not the same people they were and then maybe they won't be hanging out so much after all when the scene kind of ends i feel bad that they kind of rag on her for being boring yeah continuously and it's like <laughs> she's the only one who's successful by the end like we get the whole bit when is it Jimmy saying that he thinks Brutus was a really good friend to Caesar? And yeah, like, yeah. What, by stabbing him in the back? And he's like, yes, yeah, sometimes you got to do that, like, as a good I, friend. <laughs> I did wonder that. So they're driving off in the taxi, and then in the next scene, he's then back in New York. I'm thinking, hang on, what? And then I obviously think... it's, it's explained that they stop his passport at the airport. Yeah, the DA didn't let him leave, yeah. Because he's driving there going, I really should have been like Van and just squealed on him, and then he doesn't get to leave yeah. anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you found this though. Like, so when the film started, I found the music really, really loud, and okay. I couldn't hear what the characters were saying. But yet, when they're in the club and they're talking, they're not talking really yeah. loud and over-exaggerated like you would in a club. They're just talking really normally, and I just found that quite. I was going to ask you about like that a... because the club is lit really light as well. 
which it yeah. wouldn't be. And it's not very loud in there either because that's hard again to shoot for. Um, would you do it any? Did you not? Did you not like that? Because that was obviously kind of film choices to make the film watchable. Or but then again, we never, we've never been to clubs like that where it's not. I don't. I don't think it's necessary about the music. I don't know if it's more about the vibe and the environment as opposed to the music. I think it's more about the vibe. I think, like, yeah. It's not like the dingy rock clubs where we go to where it's just the ceilings are about this low. (laughs) It's because they're underground and there's no windows. (laughs) And you can touch the sweat on the the roof, like, because of the heat of everybody, like, (laughs) dancing and they're moshing around with their tops off with their spiky, with their spiky wristbands on and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought it was very well lit, which I just thought was a bit weird. I would, I can't imagine a nightclub being that well. You know, like when you're in a nightclub and they end for the night and they turn all the lights on. It's the most disconcerting thing in the world when you yeah. see, see everything. It's very depressing. <laughs> yeah. It's so depressing. Because then you see everyone's sweaty faces, like how they actually are. And, and, the, like, and the fact the club looks like shit because they never yeah. do anything to it. Like There is a bit in this film, though, where I think Chloe Scrivillini is in the club and it's closing and it's like, they're sweeping it up and cleaning it up and she's kind of like oh yeah just chilling in um but yeah it's very golden and very kind of bright um like it's got a very grand staircase a very grand staircase yeah yeah we had eddies which <laughs> had a grand staircase. staircase of death do you remember when we had to carry that girl up in the wheelchair <laughs> yes <laughs> we shouldn't laugh about yeah, I do, that yeah. <laughs> I do remember like, that. It wasn't. Imagine if, like, it was the night where it was on fire. On fire, she would not out. be able to escape. Yeah, You'd, like you wouldn't get her out. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> all right. So you're on Letterboxd. What are you giving it? Uh, the I, I reviewed it again today. I'm up there as four stars. I think four. Uh, I'm probably a two, maybe. I mean, the performances were good. I've I've always. Had a soft spot for Kate Beckinsale for some reasons. I thought she was really good in this. But um, and thought, uh, Chloe Scrivini is always good in. Uh, I thought she was great in this film. You know, I thought I like, she looked amazing as well, especially at the end of the film. Actually, I thought she looked absolutely amazing in this. Film. I think she got the part because of kids and. Oh yeah. Gummo. Was she in Gummo? Yes, yeah, she was in Gummo. I think. I think kids definitely. But uh, they're both check. two actors who they're they don't work all that much really as well well Especially... chloe savini was was she in big love the show with uh bill paxton oh was where she? he had like several wives yeah i haven't seen it so yeah so i think she's she's always like continuously worked i think I guess I just whereas kate it. beckinsale like i said last time she kind of went a bit of that kind of mila jovovich kind of action yeah kind of route like doing like the underworld films and i think she did like another like comic book movie called what was it it was oh she did total recall and oh um, yeah oh she was in love and friendship by the way yes she was that's i was going to say that because in love and friendship she actually does play the actual kind of austin character that she's kind of pretending to play in this she actually she actually has the kind of wit and wisdom and humor about herself in love and friendship whereas this she doesn't yeah. she lacks that even though she thinks she has it which i thought was a good bookmarking of that like i'm but, trying to find this film that i'm thinking she's in is it uh she was in obviously van helsing she was in the aviator which she was good in that oh uh, right i haven't seen the aviator uh, so 
This is bugging me. I can't find this film that she's supposed to be in. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, White Out, that was it. It's like based on a comic book. Oh, I had that comic. Had Apparently that the comic. film's not meant to be very good. But I didn't even know they made a comic from it. So, I mean, a film from it. So maybe that's a good example. <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we... Um go to the opening weekend game as we've been calling it so uh uh this is the biggest weekends of 1998 i'll go 10 to 1 if if there's one in it twice i'll just do the highest one um probably should explain that before but we're getting there bit by bit so number 10 june the 5th 1998 uh it's paramount pictures it opens the 31 and it is uh, quite an artistic filmmaker, quite a serious filmmaker, teaming up with someone who was a huge, huge like star of the nineties, and a bit of a turn for that actor as well. And when did it come out? June. June, yeah. Uh... It ends up having a lot of awards play for the actor, though maybe not at the Oscars. I think more at the Golden Globes. Have we spoke about it today? Yes. Ah, is it Truman Show? It is, yeah. It's my favourite film. That, that's a big... Uh, but then again, it was Jim Carrey, wasn't it? So yeah, it's yeah. Big... But film that... Yeah, I, I, awards player, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I think he got... Didn't he get the Golden Globe, I think? I think but so. He, did, he should have got more, but... Yeah. Um. Then I'm going to do number eight, which is uh, September 18th, 1998. So you would have gone to see this for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, New Line film. Um, open to three, 33 million. It is action comedy, which spawned a number of sequels uh, starring the same two people. Uh, one of those kind of um, two odd couple characters meeting together. <laughs> I think I know what this is. It's got one of my favourite lines in it. Is that a cig of weed? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it Rush Hour? It is. Yes. Huge film. Absolutely huge film. End I think that to... first one's quite good. It holds up, actually. It does. I haven't seen... I think I've seen the second one. I haven't seen the third one. I've seen them all because I love Jackie Chan and Chris Ducker. And was there a TV version of it? Was there? I'm sure there was a Rush Hour. T- I need to look this up. <laughs> Rush Hour TV, yeah. Who was in it? Um, Wipe yourself off, you did. Uh, so you had Justin Hires, Hires, and then John Fu. Oh. And it wow. came out. Um, didn't last very long. You're kidding. It was March to August of 2016, and there was only 13 episodes. Oh, my God. Well, that what a pointless thing to make. Yeah, it's like didn't they do a Lethal Weapon show recently? And like, yes, they had to fire the guy who played Murtar. I think they yeah because he's they too did. crazy. He was like a... there the, the must be like he's must be a tainted like character, character. or like actors play like <laughs> cursed character like yeah. playing Superman. Yeah, <laughs> you become an alcoholic racist. Yeah, you can't help. I don't it. know if the other guy's now called a racist. I can't really say. I can't remember what it was. There was definitely something. That's one of those films. Oh, sorry, one of those TV shows that only see, only know exists because I watch American football, and now and again they just pummel you with adverts for the same TV show. Like, 
that never seem to exist over here, never seem to come over, but in America they just get absolute get like rammed down your throat. It ended because it's one of the Wayans brothers, isn't it, who plays um, the uh, the other character, Riggs and or Murtoch. Yeah, Riggs, <laughs> and he. Um, I think he just said, "I'm too old to do all this kind of shit," and they got um, I'm too old for this. They got Stifler from the American Pie movies to like take over the Murtagh character, but as a different character. Okay. So, well, you know. I'm sure whoever watches the Lethal Weapon TV they, show... They keep it. saying they're going to do Lethal Weapon 5, but I swear, like, everybody's way too old now. And <laughs> the director, what's his name? Richard Donner. He's like, I Richard swear Donner, he's yeah. like nearly 90. Let me have a look how old he is. He's 90. So, you know how the whole... Is he really 90? He's 90. You know how the whole conceit of Danny Lethal Glover Weapon, must be getting on. Yeah, you know how the whole he's conceit of, of Lethal Weapon is that Danny Glover is too old for this shit. So he's 73 now. So how old was he how back old in was he? 87? He was not so too old. 30 years like, ago. Exactly. He was like, what? <laughs> in his 50s, I guess? Yeah, 47 or something like that. Yeah. Like that and he, like, so he played like an old man in every single one of those films. <laughs> Mel was... Gibson is 64. <laughs> next anyway, one. what's next? <laughs> um... November 27, 1998, open to 33 million. It is a Walt Disney film and it is the second. Yeah, it's like a second film. It's like a follow up of a huge film, but it's not a sequel. It's really hard. Is it Disney or is it Pixar? Well, it was released by Disney, but it is a Pixar film. All right, it's Bugs Life, then, isn't it? It is Bugs Life, yeah. Which I've never really gone back to watch, to be honest. No, it's, it's a bit of a. Wasn't was that spot. the year that like ants came out and like there was a bit of like uh, industrial yeah. sabotage or whatever the word is. Yeah, like, yeah. They kind of stole the idea. I think they even stole staff. I think. Really. I think that's what it is. They, they that's such a weird cast. Get... It's it's. Woody Allen and Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I remember they loving look... ants, and I don't know why. That's in and my I, head. I always like question, like, why did they make the the ants blue? In um, and then I was thinking, then if they're you blue watch in ants again, the, yeah, they're blue, aren't they? And then, like, if you look at the texture of the ants, like the computer wasn't like computer animated films weren't up to the standard to do a proper textured character, and they look like walking poos now. <laughs> So I think Pixar were right to go for a blue um In hindsight they got it right. Yeah. I guess they're trying to be more cartoony, I guess. I guess so. Um I guess it's good. I don't know anything about Bugs Life. I don't know. Maybe I've seen it good. once. Yeah, so I've seen it once or twice. So this next one, number six, uh this was also number nine. And actually its opening weekend was nineteen ninety seven, but it's still in there. Uh okay. biggest film in ninety seven. Biggest film, biggest film. Of the whole year? Of 97. But it's still making money in January. And in January. February. February 13th, it still makes 32 million in this weekend. January 2nd, it makes 30 million. Oh, so it came out the year before? It came out in 97, yeah. Oh, so it's Titanic, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So it just didn't go away. It just kept. Like, I guess that February 13th is the Oscars boost. So it's the like, weekend um... after the Oscars, it just went back in. It's like Home Alone apparently was still in the charts the following spring of the year after like 
you know, way after Christmas. Crazy. It's crazy. This is a... Um, this is July 10th, 1998. Mm-hmm. It makes 34 million on its opening weekend. It's a Warner Bros. picture. It's an action film. And it is the fourth of a franchise. <laughs> oh, hang on. Is it Lethal Weapon 4? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which we don't need to talk about. The opening no. of Week 4 is that, like, the man with the flamethrower. Yeah, and I thought they re- that was like them jumping the shark. It was like a superhero yeah. intro. It was like, why is he. It's almost like, not Mister Freeze, but like the opposite, like Firebug. What's not Firebug? Fire yeah. Firebug yeah. or Firefly? Is it Firefly? Yeah, and it's like, what? What's this? What's going on? What the hell's going on? And like, I think Danny Glover strips down to his boxes and runs around to distract him or something. Yeah, just because I think it's a a joke that that Mad Mel gets him to do just to see if he'll do it. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. That's <laughs> the one with Jet Li, isn't it? Yes, and it's the one with Chris Rock. Oh yeah. They introduced Chris Rock as like a love interest for Danny Glover's daughter, I think. Yeah, I love those scenes in uh, is it Loaded Weapon where like Danny Glover's daughters are like hitting on Emilio Estevez, and they keep like rubbing his legs, and he can't work out who's rubbing his legs, and it turns out the whole family's rubbing his legs. Even Danny, <laughs> even uh, Samuel L. Jackson and the dog, they're all kind of anyway. I might be the only person who likes that film. I, I remember that film. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I, I do. I remember that film. It was back before. Like, it's back when spoof films just spoofed the films that they were like. Like spoof films got to a point where they just started to spoof superhero films. If it was even if it was a a horror film like Scary Movie or whatever, they just yeah. started spoofing everything. They spoofed like, everything. Oh. Yeah, it's like it's not something specific. Uh, next one, July the third, nineteen ninety eight. Opens the 36 is a Walt Disney film, which I didn't know this. Um, it's an adventure film. It was a huge film, which had a huge single, which I think maybe was because of the success of the film. May, may led to the success of the film, I would say. Um, it is I, arguably a auteur film director, but um, auteur in a very weird sense. When did it, it come out? So what day? It is um, July the 3rd, big July release. And it's a big director, auteur. Yeah, I w- arguably auteur, you could argue this. Um, be like, I don't know, th- two, three big stars leading it. Um, big action adventure film, sci-fi film elements to it. Uh, the single Not is by Armageddon. far the biggest thing. It is Armageddon, yeah. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Armegadon. Armegadon. I mean, arguably Altair. I think you can call Michael Burton Altair. Well, he's definitely... you. He, like, if you want to judge it on the fact that if you watch one of his films, you know... No, it's him, like, yeah. It's him. Like, like, to the point where I think even in the Transformers film, like, he did a film called The Island, mm-hmm. and there's like a load of car explosions and stuff in that. Which is and the least you, Michael Bay film, actually. Yeah, and if you've watched the Transformers, he uses he just reuses those same shots, but then puts Transformers in them, just smashing <laughs> the cars. <laughs> like apparently, he's meant to be like if you're on his level, you've got to kind of get on his level if you want to work with him, because he's just like insane. I can imagine, like, like you know, your typical setup even for a drama film is like probably like twenty camera setups a day or whatever. He does like eighty camera setups, and this is for like CGI and. And apparently he's like, 
Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen that video? It's, it's, I shouldn't laugh at it though. But have you ever seen that video where he's like um, advertising a new TV, and he's like no. being a spokesman for it, and like it's like a, a big like uh, show, like a technology show. Okay. And he's like he's talking about how amazing this 4K TV is, and he's got a teleprompter, and he 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 reads the first like few paragraphs, and then just goes, nope, and then just walks away. <laughs> And like they spent millions just to get him out there to talk about the praise of this TV, and he's just like, as a as a you know a director, I, you know I have to visualize great worlds and amazing things, and um, um, nope, <laughs> then just walks away. He's such a weirdo. He's such a weirdo. Like like people always call him like a porn director who doesn't shoot porn. Like it's just yeah, that's the way seen... his films are made. It's. Like Megan Fox's introduction in like one of those Transformer films, she's like spray painting, like a bike. But yet her like the way she's straddling the bike is. Who's and the... then when the Transformers turn, it's almost like the camera is in the crotch of yeah, the Transformer. Yeah, crotch up. Yeah. And then it's rotating around it, and you're yeah. like, you're like, what? It's all like it's all like a camera constantly going, look at that, get in there, look at that, get it, look at that, yeah. <laughs> like, it's and it's so like this is so weird. But did you ever see Bumblebee? No, I haven't watched it. I've it's only ever very... seen one Transformer film. So that like the first one, it's not a good film, but it's definitely the best of his. He's done. He did five of them. Uh, how do you make five? How does he not? He must be insane. I really oh. want to watch the 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 um the Anthony Hopkins one. I, I really want to watch that's it. That's the last night or something. I yeah. watched the one before that. It looks one. insane with the human with robot thing. What? It, there's like a human transformer, like a a transformer that turns into like a human. <laughs> I can't I don't want to see that. <laughs> and they they live under Stonehenge or something. I don't know. I need to watch it. I've been meaning to because it the, just sounds the, insanity. The fourth one with Marky Mark is really weird because. Um, there's a character in it. Play is it Jack? Jack something or other. You'll you'll know him. He was he's in that film I love Sing Street that you haven't watched, but he's also in uh let me have a look. I don't know why I have to tell you this, but um, <laughs> Well I was gonna Jack, say Jack when they replaced Megan Fox, they introduced the new girl by just like shooting her from the ass first. Oh yeah. And it's kinda much. like don't worry, Megan Fox isn't it, but we got this ass now, so it's all great. So Jack Rayner, you will have known. He's in. He's in Midsummer. He's the boyfriend in Midsummer. Okay. Okay. But he yeah. he yeah. plays like the boyfriend of of Marky Mark's daughter, and there's a whole like um, he's basically from another state or something, and has a a passport or something that's to say that he's from another state, which means you can have sex at a different age where he lives. Oh, God. So that it's not statutory rape if he has sex oh, with God. his daughter. There's this whole thing in a kid's film, and I'm like, oh, why God. is this in this film? <laughs> no, <laughs> just don't write that. Yeah, don't just, go, you don't right. need to. I, I've bruised, like, I haven't got it right what I was saying, but it's along those lines. Sure. It's, it's And, like, TJ Miller's in it, and apparently if you listen to his um, him talking about it, like, it just sounds insane. And I think they literally kill off his character because TJ Miller couldn't keep up with the pace of the film so they're like well you're not that important to the plot anyway so we'll just kill <laughs> Get you, rid of you oh god apparently marky mark went up to to um tj miller and was like you didn't think it was gonna be like this did you <laughs> what well you know like how intense it is 
Just have like, full on a men- like, like TJ Miller's of, not an action star, isn't is he? He's like gonna all those films. do like five hundred takes of like running around like at the. F- I don't know. What's happened to, to TJ Miller anyway? Is he like still acting or what? Well, he called a fake bomb plot against a train he was on, didn't he? And that Why? was kind of a what bit of an end of his career, and a lot of other stuff. I think he had um. I don't know much about him. It sounds like he had, he's a bit of an asshole and quite difficult to work with, but I think he also had a brain hemorrhage at some point. So oh, really? Might, um, I think he actually had a brain hemorrhage years ago, um, but there might have been lasting effects or something, uh. is what I've heard. Um, like, might affect his kind of ability to make good judgments. Is that my fairest way of saying that? <laughs> I'm trying to be. Um, but apparently he was really difficult to work with on Silicon Valley. Okay, I mean he's still in films that are coming out. Apparently, he was in one called Underwater with. Um... Oh, I want to watch Underwater. He... I I want to watch that as well. It sounds mm. quite cool. I've been looking forward to that. And he's in a film called The Standing. I've not heard of that. Neither have I. It's Next so, film. Uh... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> November six, nineteen ninety-eight, Walt Disney Picture, which surprises me. It's a comedy. It opens to thirty-nine million, which is a lot. This is um, uh, the main actor in this is what the selling point is. He's a um, huge comedy actor who's still making huge comedy films now, really. Um, this, weirdly, is his biggest film, but it's a weird one for him to be his biggest film because he made much more normal films than this. It's <laughs> a better way to put it. And who made it? Disney. Yeah, it was released by Disney. And when did it come out? In November. November sixth. November. 6th. Um, and it's like a big comedy actor. Big, yeah, huge comedy actor, SNL guy, everything, stand up. He's still making films now. Adam Sandler. No. Yes. Oh. Um... And this is his biggest film, really, which I think is a really weird one. Not Big Daddy, no. No, no that was, the year, that was the year after. Um, it's got Kathy not the wedding Bates singer. in it. Uh, no, the Water Boy. Yep. Really. The Water Boy. Yeah, Water Boy was huge, and it's like it's such a weird one because he did all these like you know this is him back doing a silly kind of Adam Sandler character with a silly voice and stuff like that, and he, and it was just a massive film. I mean, in that he plays someone. With like learning difficulties and that doesn't he? Def- yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not problematic in the slightest, is it? Slightest. This is he has like three films when he plays like a character like this, really, doesn't he? Like Little Nicky, this, and Zohan. I'm guessing, really. I haven't seen that one. But and it's really weird that they this hits. It's just a really bizarre film that just was huge. Um, compared to like Big Daddy when he's just playing Adam Sandler or like Wedding Singer where he's really playing much more of a romantic comedy lead. Um, yeah. And it's this one that kind of really, really rockets him actually. And I'd arguably because of this film, he can never stop making films. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. What he, was the one always which... What's the one where he plays his own sister? Like so he plays Jack like and Jill. That looks terrible. It's meant to be terrible. <laughs> I Al Pacino's got a cameo in it, or, he or he's a character in it. <laughs> um, but to be fair to Adam Sandler, I, um, Uncut Gems was one of my favourite films last year. Well, he's been in some so. great films like um, 
Punch Drunk Love was fantastic. Punch Drunk, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I have massive soft spot for The Wedding Singer, and I still like Happy Gilmore and sure. Billy Madison. I kind of uh, like Funny People. I like Funny honest. People. He's yeah, really so. good in it. The problem with Jad yeah. Apat- all Jad Apatow films are about 45 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, have totally. you seen the trailer for his new film? Uh, no. The King of Staten Island. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's got a guy in it that a lot of people don't like. I've never seen him in anything. Pete something or other. Pete, Pete, Pete. He's like yeah, got loads of tattoos, like prison tattoos. Oh, right. And apparently his dad in real life was a firefighter in 9-11 and died, oh, by, right. you know, trying to tackle it all. And So I think this film is kind of like... Pete Davidson. Yeah, that's it. He's in Suicide Squad, the new one. Apparently I don't know who he plays, though. I don't think I... Oh, I do recognise his face. He's an SNL guy, I think. Yeah, he is, yeah. Which doesn't mean much over here. He did a film that came out a few years ago that I was quite interested to see. Is it The Dirt? Uh, I don't think so. Names you, thought, you definitely watched The Dirt. What's he, The um, Dirt? Oh, the um, the Molly Crew one. I have. Yeah, seen. he played um, yeah. Tom Zuta. I don't know who he played. <laughs> <laughs> He was in Trainwreck, uh, set it up big time. I still haven't seen Trainwreck. I need to watch that one. I like Trainwreck. It's got John Cena in it. John Cena's funny in it. Uh, He's in the Angry Birds movie too. I don't know. I don't really know. Big time adolescence was one I'm thinking of that sounds interesting. But anyway, what other films Uh, have we got? And number something. Where were we? Uh, Number two. So this is May 8th, 1998, uh, Paramount film, kind of action-adventure film. It made $41 million on its opening weekend. Uh, you know, this was... <laughs> I, can't give, I would give it away instantly. Uh, now and again, they make two films in a year <laughs> that the same film. This is the other one. <laughs> Deep impact on <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I can't believe it had a bigger opening weekend than Armageddon, actually. Yeah, but I think didn't it like trail out and like, again just like somehow because it like back in the nineties that's like when you said like the single was like the thing, and um, you know the Deep Impact didn't have time. didn't have a Morgan Freeman single or whatever did it or a <laughs> Robert Duvall <laughs> single. Stay awake. Yeah, because because you also had the connection with Armageddon because you had Aerosmith doing the song and then Liv Tyler his daughter. Was in the, was the, the lead female in the film, wasn't she? And I swear, yeah, like at and some point, it doesn't point, make the music video creepy at all. No, no, not at she's all. She's in a lot it? of she's in a lot of his videos, and I don't know if some of them he she was in them, not knowing that they were that, related. Probably, <laughs> sure. Because there's definitely some creepy. <laughs> she's in crazy, videos. isn't she? She's in crazy. Is that when one with she, with? She's in one with Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they escape the girls' school or whatever it is, and go yeah. crazy. As the song tells you. <laughs> yeah, isn't there a scene where, like, you know, I'm again where Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck have sex in the rocket of the, you know, like the actual thrusters of the rocket, and you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> well, anyway, more, too much about Armageddon. Should we do an Armageddon episode? <laughs> I don't remember Deep Impact at all, apart from there was a comic book, comic on the internet, which, uh, was explaining films in four panels. This yeah. is very old. And they had 
an asteroid approaching the Earth in each comic, and in the corner of each panel, they had Morgan Freeman grim cam, and they just had Morgan Freeman <laughs> getting sadder in each panel. <laughs> and that's all I remember about Deep Impact. So in Deep Impact, it, does it hit the Earth end? Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> obviously in Armageddon, you have the team that kind of put the, you know, Bruce Willis, like, sacrifices himself. Yeah, and Steve Buscemi gets space craziness or something. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Space insanity. I always get Steve Buscemi in that film confused with his character in uh, Con Air. Yeah, I think it's the same Cause... character. <laughs> <laughs> the paedophile. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, because I can't talk about Deep Impact. Number one opening weekend was May 22nd. It opened to 44 million. It's released by Sony and it's an action film. And it's. Mate. This film has no cultural impact whatsoever. <laughs> is it, um, and it's it was Sony, a follow up film for a filmmaker that was like the biggest film of the 90s. The biggest action film of the 90s. And this was his big, like, blank check follow up, really. It's a remake. Oh, I know. We tried to get the producer on the show. We did. <laughs> it's Godzilla. It's God fucking Zilla. Again, another it? film that's got theme theme songs. Yeah, so yeah. Um, what it's the um, what Jimmy is it? Page and Puff Daddy. And Puff Daddy, yeah. And then the um, other ones, Jimmy Require one. Is that what they called it? Yeah. Jimmy Require as well. Yeah. That was a wicked song though, and that was Which a good video though because I think the 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 Godzilla comes out of the cinema and wrecks the. <laughs> cinema or something like that and Jim Jamiroquai's dancing on all the the chairs in the cinema what's the song what's the Jamiroquai song I can't remember it it's deeper underground we're going deeper underground yeah that's the one for this I remember you Come bought on. the come dine come dine with me <laughs> with Jimmy Page <laughs> yeah I'd go to that dinner party with Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page That'd be uh, come with me didn't you buy it for Ned on single or something sure I have yeah. a feeling you bought the CD single. You can remember, and then I remember your dad was remember. going. The original song was better. Cashmere was better, and we're like, "What's that? What's that and he, rubbish?" And then he put it on. This is this is Puff Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. P did. He wasn't even P Diddy then. He was just Puff Daddy. Oh, God, <clears> right, yeah. that was fun. So, what are we talking about next week? Well, we are continuing on with the Matthew Broderick theme of Godzilla, and doing <laughs> Alexander Payne's election. I'm actually really looking forward to watching this one. This has been one that I've wanted to watch for a while and for some Me reason too. never got around to. Yeah. And fingers crossed we'll have our first guest. Fingers crossed. And that is our, our very good friend Paul Naden. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. And that's that. <laughs> that's that. Thank you very much for listening <laughs> and we'll see you next time. <laughs> uh, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Adjust Your Track and that's a, a YR, not a your. Um, we'd like to have a bit of conversation with us, with you. So please tell us what you think of the show, what you think films we could probably talk about in the future for other decades. Um, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube now. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. That would really benefit us, and we'd really appreciate it. And please remember, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. Stormtroopers hit the ground.